In this episode of The Interface, I speak with Anjali Mann, an engineer with Amphenol Advanced Sensors, specifically Nova Sensors in Fremont, California. Anjali came to the U.S. from India to pursue her master's degree at the University of Florida before being hired by Amphenol two years ago. We talk about her ever-inquisitive mind that helped her learn how sensors are designed and built with no previous exposure to them. We talk about her passion for women in STEM, and we talk about inspiring the next generation of female engineers. This is The Interface. Anjali, yeah. thank you for joining yeah. us. I Thank appreciate you it for having me here. <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm glad yeah. you took the time to to come on and and join me today to talk about uh, all sorts of different things here. I think a little bit of a different conversation than we've had with some of our other guests so far. Uh, Angela, yeah. you're a test engineer for Amphenol Advanced Sensors. How long have you yeah. been? How long have you been with them? Ooh, <laughs> so it's just been two years, mm -hmm. and I know the people you previously interviewed, their whole work experience. Just their work experience is equal to my whole lifespan. But mm. uh, two years ago, I started Amphenol. And before that, I was, uh, I completed my master's and, you know, I was looking for jobs and uh, I found Amphenol and, you know, and it's been a really great journey so far. When I started, I had little to no knowledge of how MEMS pressure sensors would work. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember uh, going into for the interview uh, at that time, and currently my boss who interviewed me, John Dancaster. I I went in, I didn't know much about the product or, you know, what they were doing, but I did some background study and, you know, and I ended up researching a bit about one of their products called NPX. And then, uh, you know, I just did some uh, analysis of what exactly, what all components go into that sensor. And then in the interview, I was asking John and, you know, this is this, how does this work? And, you know, how did you overcome this challenge in combining this module with the other one? And then he started smiling and he said, you know what, I worked on this project. So at that moment, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> he, he might just ask me a lot of questions from it. Right. But, uh, yeah, but he, he was impressed that I did some background study. And uh, yeah, and after, after I got the job and I... Out of this curiosity, I just went because it was my first job ever in my life. Okay. So I went into his office and I was like, you know, now that I'm standing here, I know I've got the job, but just, uh, just for like, you know, so that I know where I am and where do I stand and where can I go to? Just tell me, you know, what, what did I miss out on or where did I fail during the interview? <laughs> so he smiled and he said, you know, this curiosity is, is something that set the bar for our interview process, which I I don't think anyone else we interviewed could match what you did. So, I mean, that was a good boost. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, it's been, uh, it's been for sure been uh, making me get up in the morning every day and head to work. And uh, I mean, I, I'm loving it. Uh, it's been two years. It doesn't feel like that. But, you know, I just feel like, okay, yeah, it was just a few days ago when I got the job. So, right. And, yeah. And that's great. great I mean, experience. Out of the many attributes that are key to, to a great engineer, I would say mm -hmm. near, at or near the top of the list has has to be having an inquisitive mind. And yeah. you going into that interview and yeah. asking those very detailed questions. Detailed um, questions. <laughs> I, I could, as someone who's interviewed a lot of people as well, I would mm -hmm. be very mm -hmm. impressed by that and go, wow, you know, okay. we might have, she might be the one that we want for this position. So that's that's a great story for, for people to 
I think maybe file away in the back of their mind when yeah. they're going for an interview. Really do your yeah, research, I mean, ask questions. Yeah. Uh, interviewers mm -hmm. like it when you ask questions, when you're inquisitive, and and uh, yeah. I'm glad to see you did that. Yeah, a lot of times, uh, what what you you know, when I was in interviewing before getting Amphenol, and I interviewed for a couple of companies, and everywhere I noticed that they would get happy if you knew about the company, if you knew about what's going on in the company. Mm -hmm the news and the products. So, yeah, I mean, if anyone's ever interviewing for any company, you should have some background knowledge of the company, the products that, that you might, you know, you may have to work upon or you should have knowledge on. And, and that really does, does the work. So as a test engineer, just give me the mm -hmm. basics of, first, what location do you work out of? Okay, so uh, you interviewed Mark yep. last week. Mm -hmm. So I work under him. Okay. And it's uh, Amphenol Nova Sensor. So you work out it's, of the Fremont one facility. Bench, yeah, the Fremont facility. Okay. And uh, I mean, my cubicle is right across uh, Mark's office, so he can see me every day. Oh, <laughs> so, you poor yeah, woman. You poor like... woman. I've known Mark for oh, a long, really? long time. I'm just kidding. Oh, Mark's, Mark's my boy. A lot of people did move out. <laughs> Not so because Mark was in that cubicle. I mean, he had that access, but other reasons, but you know. <laughs> but yeah, now I'm the straight person that he can see. That's he can funny. see when I come in and when I leave. So yeah. That's funny. So, it's fun though. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. Uh, so as a test engineer, just describe your mm -hmm. role a little bit. What do you do there yes. at the Nova Sensors facility in California? So as a hardware test engineer, which now that we've combined our uh, packaging and testing team, so I'm like a package and test engineer. Mm -hmm. As a test engineer, what we do is we fabricate our own pressure sensing die. So the work starts from there, just sense, uh, testing the bare die, its performance, qualifying the die, and releasing it. Now, using that die, we have a lot of customers that we just provide the die to. And then we have a lot of customers where we take that die to another level, higher level, where we make it more uh, consumer friendly or customer friendly, where we add signal conditioning uh, circuitry to the pressure sensing output. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it makes, it makes it easier for us to analyze what the output is. So you can read the output in digital or an analog. So we combine the pressure sensing die with our ASIC and we create a package that, that becomes our sensor, sensor module. Now, we have also taken it up to a higher, much higher level than that, where we have added some microcontroller to the circuitry, added some LEDs, where basically the sensor output can tell you uh, in terms of LED color change, exactly what's going on. So we had one customer, our top uh, automotive customer, where we had to create LED filter monitor sensor. What happens is uh, when a mechanic is trying to change the filter in the car, car or trucks, sometimes they used to, earlier they used to replace it without the, knowing exactly the life of the filter. Okay. And that, that would cost a lot of loss in terms of filter, filter replacement. So what the sensor does is it will tell you, based on the pressure it's getting from the filter, whether it's blocked or not, completely or not. And then if it's completely blocked, then the sensor will flash a red LED mm -hmm. and the mechanic can know, okay, okay, for sure now it's blocked. I will replace the filter. I will reset the sensor. And once the filter is clean, the sensor will go back to green LED. So a lot of uh, iterations like that, we are trying to make our sensors smart 
So, you know, we have this whole IoT going on. So trying to get into that market now. Right. And yeah, testing those and, you know, supporting the manufacturing sides in Asia, Mexico, uh, we have in uh, Puerto Rico. So just providing test support. And it's not entirely test support. It's, it's a lot of hardware design. Uh, it, it, you, you get to wear a lot of hats. You're not just a test engineer. Test engineer is kind of a narrow description of your job. Yeah. Then. <laughs> That's what I started as. Right. <laughs> but then uh, once, once I got in, I realized that it's not just a test engineer. You're, you're basically challenged for all kind of skills that you might have gained over the years. I didn't know. And when I started, I didn't know how to use a wrench. I didn't know, you know, what was Philip's head, what yeah. was the flat head. <laughs> but now I know everything. So, yeah, well, it's, you, it's, it's challenging. Right. So, so you've mentioned a couple times now that, you know, whether it be just simple hand tools um, that people mm-hmm. use to the the technology and the capabilities of the advanced sensors team, specifically mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. MEMS sensors at, at Nova mm-hmm. Sensors that you knew little to nothing about those yeah. <laughs> types of operations or tools or whatever it may be. Yeah. So there's been a couple challenges. What are what are some of the challenges that you've had in just your two short years uh, working for the sensor team that you were able to overcome and, and it, it really stands out to you as far as, wow, I can't believe I learned that. I'm, I'm, it makes me very excited to know that I was able to overcome that challenge. You have an example of something like that? Yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest one was uh, earlier this year. My my boss comes to me and he's like, "How's your passport doing?" So I'm a, I'm a, an F1 student, so I moved from India four years ago, mm-hmm. and I graduated uh, two years ago, and then so I was on my F1 visa, and then I got my work visa. So my boss is like. Now that your work visa is sorted, how's your passport? Do you have a passport? And I laughed and I was like, boss, <laughs> I always keep my passport. I, I'm still an alien in this country. So, <laughs> so he said, yeah, uh, just find out how much time it would take you to get the visa for Malaysia. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's see. And uh, so it took me about uh, 72 hours to get the visa for Malaysia. And so I was sent with a senior engineer to our manufacturing site in Malaysia. The purpose was to shadow him because, I'm, you know, they, what Amphenol is trying to do now is to try to send engineers to the manufacturing site so mm-hmm. that they can see things that they build or, you know, the prototypes that they build into reality, right. how it goes into production, the challenges that you face. Sure. So, so yeah, so I was sent there and uh, a lot of it was uh, a lot of the issues that we, we came across there were easier to solve because we were there and we would not have thought about because of the distance and uh, yeah and then there were some challenges like uh, modifying the test automation code where you know well while the senior engineer was standing behind me and he said you know make these changes I was freaking out <laughs> so I was like if I make that change and something goes bad it's all on me but yeah I mean that challenge uh, he said, you'll be fine. You know, what's the worst going to happen? Just today's production goes bad. But, yeah, you know, sure. you'll learn. That's, That's how you learn. So, thankfully, nothing failed. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, right on that. So, and, and yeah, I mean, my, I mean, I knew theoretical knowledge of LabVIEW. I had, you know, played around with it a little bit in uh, grad school. But, you know, doing it on 
on an actual production machine, <laughs> it's completely different task. So oh, yeah, I mean, and yeah. making those changes just, I mean, it, it was beautiful to, you know, make your own change and see it on the machine. Right. I mean, that, that was a nice challenge. So the, yeah. the, the trip overseas to Malaysia to mm-hmm. a new mm-hmm. factory you guys are starting up really gave you a, a much broader perspective on how all of this comes together. And yeah, I and, mean, and, and sorry, mm-hmm. just to just to kind of yeah, finish the point is yeah. that's uh-huh. I think that's a great lesson for all sorts of different operations within Amphenol at, at all the very various businesses we do. You could do only so much through email and through yeah. phone and through messaging and this and that, and even video conferencing, which is great. But yeah. until that you get to where the issue is and mm-hmm. see it with your own eyes and then mm-hmm. work with the local teams to figure out how to solve that issue or solve that problem. Yeah. It's never yeah. going to be quite the same. You might be able to solve it, but it might take longer and it yeah. might not be as good of a yeah. solution. So, you know, that's a great lesson to learn. And, and, uh, that's why we do that quite often at this company. Yeah. It's, hey, there's an issue there. You got to go and you got to fix it. And you got to get on a plane <laughs> and you got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it for sure did help me because, yeah, I was working here and I was working on computer and, you know, just and then testing those parts that were built in those facilities. But going there and seeing it, you know, come to life as to how the process goes, it just it just becomes a permanent memory in your head. Right. So and that also helps you problem solve things because you've been to the manufacturing site. So, you know, what what possibly could be going wrong if there's some yield issue if the tester is not working because you have seen the tester in reality, that that changes the whole perspective of trying to solve problems. Did it build the desire in you then to see more of these factories oh, yes. and what they do around the company? Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> I am. I am probably going to Mexico next week. Great. For we are shifting our one of our uh, testing uh, our production line from Fremont to. Mexico and then so I would be there for the buy-off and you know provide any support that there that that is required there so yes I mean this year I I find it as the year of travel yeah no that's (laughs) I've been to Malaysia I went to Thailand while I was there too for another manufacturing site and uh, now going to Mexico so yeah I mean and my boss is really happy so that's fantastic. That's all that matters. That's such a great experience, <laughs> yeah. and and so soon out of school too. Where did you do? <laughs> yeah. Where did you do your um your master's degree? You did it in the states. Yes. Uh, so I I I pursued my master's in electrical and computer engineering in University of Florida. Okay. Well, that's a nice story too. So there. Uh, there and this was, was from this was the- from India. Sorry. This is so. This is from India to University of Florida. Yes. So okay. I did my undergrad in India, mm-hmm. Delhi. Uh, that's where I grew up. I spent my whole life, and I never visited any country in my whole life. Wow! <laughs> so, wow. I, U.S. was my second country, and I mean, I always wanted to be here. I mean, this was a dream place to be. And I mean, at that time, I was. I used to think that you know, and everyone used to say that it's the land of opportunities. And after coming here, it for sure feels like it's the land of opportunities. I feel a lot of things that I couldn't have been able to do in India that I'm doing here right now. So yeah, I I decided uh, to move to US when I got the admission in University of Florida. And uh, with no family, no contact in the country, 
I just uh, packed all my belongings in two suitcases and moved here. Wow, what <laughs> so, was that like? <laughs> oh, it was challenging. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, I mean, it was uh, a little painful to to say goodbye to the family and you know, not knowing when you will see them again of because course. you know. Yeah course can study can be very hectic so you don't know when you will get a chance to fly back it's still better than 10 years ago when people would not see their family for like eight years and there was no FaceTime or anything but yeah it worked out pretty fine and I made a lot of friends here in the university so they kind of became my family so that was that was good the experience was good you became a gator Oh yes, go Gators! <laughs> so you're in you're in Florida. Uh, you're doing your mm-hmm. your master's degree there, and I think that segues mm-hmm. nice into something I know is a passion for you, which is mm-hmm. the f- emphasis on STEM, and oh, yeah. particularly uh, uh, women in STEM. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I because I know that's 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 very important to you. So I think this this has probably become a part of my life now. When people ask me, "What you're an engineer?" Why? Mm-hmm. And that to an electrical engineer? What were you thinking? I started thinking about it when people, you know, the question became too prominent for people to like, you know, pretty surprising why I'm an engineer. So uh, I think it's a lot of, uh, it's pretty deep rooted from uh, where I originated. So I, I went to a convent school. So I had these strong, empowering women around me, girls at that time, <laughs> women around me. And I mean, we grew up with that mentality that we, we can conquer the world. And, you know, when you get out of school and I, my undergrad was co-ed. So that, that was when I realized that, you know, it's not the case everywhere. Mm-hmm. I was in my convent bubble where I didn't think that, you know, women are less empowered. So undergrad, uh, I have a class of 60, and they're like 10 girls. Mm. <laughs> and, and Which the is probably typical. Just, yeah, that was typical. But right. for me, coming from a content background, that was awkward. But uh, I, even in that time, I, it didn't matter to me that, you know, I'm a girl and I should, you know, I should pursue something that all other girls do. And of those 10 girls that started off with me, uh, I think only two wanted to pursue this career apart from me and the rest just uh, either directed themselves to some other career, which was more, how do I say, like more girl friendly, where they more of like, you know, into finance or business management. That's where a lot of uh, women population goes to. So I, I I started thinking as to why are they doing it and and why did why did girls not enroll into this course? I think a lot happens in in your childhood and what your choices you what what is presented to you in your childhood and and that's what directs your liking. Right. Girls usually grow up with Barbie dolls, and boys grow up with these uh, crazy Hot Wheels cars and remote control cars, drones and I don't know Beyblade and Pokemon games. Mm-hmm. So I think that also channels what what you know and what you like. And and I I faced that challenge in my uh, second year of my undergrad, uh, where I had to take this course called Engineering Graphics. Oh, <laughs> and then we had to draw things in 3D. That that was a challenge. Yeah. 
where 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 the guys just aced it nicely i was struggling and i couldn't put to understanding is why can't i imagine things in 3d well i don't know so maybe those barbie dolls didn't weren't that useful to me <laughs> i should have uh, taken up some legos and you know side building things so why do you think so, that was it's just how things are generalized yeah. you know girls is, girls i don't know how they are wired <laughs> but i feel it's it's it, they like glittery shiny pretty things and boys like dirty muddy things <laughs> i'm so, not going to dispute anything you're saying here, by the way i'm going to let you yeah. handle the lead on this <laughs> yeah i mean all the all my guy friends i talked to i mean they were like they loved doing that and every time i you know it's like did you ever get a chance to play with your sister with barbie it's like who does that so right. not really sure why why that happens but i think coming into even from my master's course and seeing that that gender gap and currently at at my work the gender gap still exists uh i think right now a lot of women are either worried that you know this path may not be as I don't want to say but I based on my experience in speaking to a lot of girls I know who who either left this course or chose a different course to begin with a lot of them want the ease of comfort like they don't want to spend their time in in the labs they don't want to uh, I don't know play around with the wrenches <laughs> and you know fix things they rather fix things within a computer yeah so so i feel the root of this is in the childhood and how how we can inspire young girls to you know change their thinking some way yeah. so there's a product called uh, goldie goldie blocks right yep, so i've heard this, of it this yep. have you heard of it yeah I okay have. so yeah. so that 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 product is i think uh, is what what girls need right now instead of uh, you know they need to ditch on the barbies and try and build and the purpose of that product is you know so you build something you create something out of it and it still looks shiny and pretty <laughs> so right that's what uh, the aim is to catch the eyes of the girls and i have a niece who's like what 11 years old and you know i'm i'm already thinking so much about her right and i feel another thing is the role models role models play a huge role in your life oh absolutely yeah who inspire you so for me i all i never had the shortage of role models or maybe i just seeked role models to begin with the first one was my dad who was a civil engineer so you know him being an engineer made me understand what what engineering is then another one was kalpana chavla where um, she was a, an astronaut in the columbia space shuttle and when she when the shuttle crashed i remember everyone around me uh, around me was sad and mm-hmm. devastated and you know they're like what's going on you know she could have done so much better i mean why did she have to die so i mean and and that also inspired the fact that i want to be an astronaut the 9 year old me when when the crash happened was like i want to be an astronaut i will do things that she couldn't so i created a role model in her mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I feel that you know the presence of role models is something that that you really need. Yeah. So the girls the young girls need be it your parents the parents have to work into this direction to try to become role models try to find out what their inclination is. 
don't force them <laughs> to pursue engineering right. yeah. just Never because you want them to do pursue engineering. Right. But uh, but if they have some potential, like you know, if if in future my my kid comes to me, like what seven year old kid comes to me and says, "Mom, I want to be an astronaut," I will do everything possible right. to mold her surroundings so that she pursues that career instead of just uh, giving it up as a like just a random dream. So I feel that would work. I agree. Um, so just so people, if if anyone doesn't know what the acronym for STEM stands for, it stands for science, yeah. technology, engineering, and math. And yeah. it's it's become, I guess, a, a fairly formal acronym you see in education yeah. now, uh, especially mm-hmm. in the U.S. and I'm sure in other countries as well. Other countries too. Yeah. Yes. So you know, you talked a little bit about what got you into engineering and this inquisitive mind mm-hmm. and all that. So if mm-hmm. you then, you know, again, you go back to the role models you had and now becoming potentially a role model yourself for other younger women. Mm-hmm. What are yeah. some of the things, and you kind of touched on it, but if you could maybe formalize it a little bit more mm-hmm. specifically to STEM, what would you think would be great ways to encourage and initiate some of these activities in younger women? Yeah. Um, so the initiation was to get them involved at an early age. Mm-hmm into things that, that requires building, that requires uh, engineering methods. So be it that Goldilocks or, you know, challenging girls or training them in improving their uh, spatial skills. So I struggled with engineering graphics. So <laughs> 3D is something that uh, I feel a lot of women lack imagining in that. That's why I, I've noticed that a lot of the, uh, all these uh, AutoCAD and mechanical engineers are are men because they either develop it in their childhood or they just have an inclination to like it. Mm-hmm. So okay. improving on that and uh, just uh, whenever you can, I think our whole life works around engineering. So trying to inspire them and trying to make them curious about how things work. You know, every time you talk to any young girl you meet and any kid you meet, try to ask them questions how uh, how things work. You know, do you know how a mouse works? Do you know what how, how can you get, you know, something on the TV screen with just a cable? So these kind of inspiring them with these curiosity questions is something that 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 would help. And uh, I know the, the major part of STEM is math, which <laughs> a lot of girls even I was scared of, but you know, <laughs> once, once you, you, you put your fear aside. I mean, I remember in my high school days, I, I was like, I, I hate math. I cannot do this. I will, I, I used to barely pass, but then I realized that, you know, what I want, I wanted, I, I could see my goal. And I was like, if this math is going to be a obstacle, I'm going to, I'm not going to push it aside. I'm going to jump over it. Yeah. So I did what I could trying to find ways to make math interesting. It all boils down to the fact that you create interest mm-hmm. into these uh, complex theories and these procedures, and then life would be much easier to you. And really, you know, I, I know math is you know, maybe the least favorite part of it for you, but I mean, really all of these between science, technology, engineering, and math, they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're equal parts to a, yeah. a a pie here where it's really at the end of the day, teaching young men, young women, whomever is mm-hmm. interested in 
solving problems and critical thinking skills. And that's, yeah. that's the, that's the, you know, one of the biggest things I can see benefiting people who get involved mm -hmm. in, in STEM activities and STEM initiatives. And, and I hope that there is an increase in this. And I know the, the focus on this from governments now and, and education departments yeah. within governments has to mm -hmm. bear some fruit here. Uh, as, yeah. If it hasn't already, I'm sure it has. But mm -hmm. you're right. In our industry, and, and you touched on it, and I think it's mm -hmm. not it's not a secret, uh, there is not nearly as many women as men in, in the engineering yeah. community, whether it's electrical, mechanical, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So anything that we can do to help make that a more balanced number with these initiatives yeah. that have to start from a young age, um, I think you seem to be a huge supporter of that. So that's great. Yeah, and and another thing is that uh, you know it's it's pretty prominent that there there's this gender gap in most of the engineering fields, and all the companies I know for Silicon Valley are struggling trying to meet that gap. Mm -hmm. And uh, every time I tell I speak to someone and they say you're an engineer, wow, <laughs> that's great. You should come work for our company. Mm. But I as as a woman, I feel that I don't want to be part of a company just because I'm a woman. <laughs> so I want to I want to compete next to men mm. based on my skills, not because of my gender. So that's that's one thing that uh, I think I felt with Amphenol. I was really really happy that you know, I was selected. So when I joined the company, I was the only female engineer in the team. <laughs> and it was pretty obvious I was sitting in this room full of men <laughs> trying to put my opinions out. And uh, I, I felt that, you know, I, I wasn't selected, not even once I felt that I wasn't selected for just because being a woman, I was selected for my skills. That's, so, that's fantastic. You know, yeah. yeah. So to, to, to meet that gap and not just because you're a woman, but to meet it because you're a capable woman as equivalent to a man, that's what is required. So that's why you, you go back to the roots and try to fix that problem. That's great. That's great advice again. And, and mm -hmm. um, I'm so happy that it's working out for you. I'm so happy that yeah. you're happy here. Um, it yeah. sounds like <laughs> you're really happy. excited. Uh, you're going to get a lot of yeah. stamps in your passport here. Sounds like fairly soon, oh, which is that. great. Anjali, thank you very much for talking with me today. Thank I really appreciate it. Thank you so it. much.